Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What was that? It was me and Grover. I, I know, but what? So that really? was, and if we could pull that too, if we could bring all of that, it's very entertaining. It's uh, when the Arlington Heights thing first came up, I suggested to Les that they would put the letters A-H on the helmet. And Les was wholly offended by that and very angry at me at 4.50 in the morning one day before I was filling in for either Mully or Haw. I don't remember which one that day. I think it was Mully I was filling in for that day. So you thought it would be representative of the accuracy to put yeah, AH on like, not going to happen. It's, they would never do that. Like he did, he got really wow. angry with me that day. I think that was the day that I think Mitch Rosen, the program director here at the score, called in that morning to make sure everything was okay between us, and it did played out live. And Les was cool. Les was all right. We were fine, and here we are. And that's why that's the way I like to keep it between Les and I. Right. So we were given a heads up by listeners, <clears throat> texters, and the tech zone, the heads up tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Saturday Suckage was alerted to the fact that with the Kraken, the Seattle Kraken playing its first game, the NHL's newest expansion team played its first game, first couple games as it turns out, and that the question came up of what is a Kraken. What was a Kraken? After what are, is the new Seattle team? What is that nickname? What is it all about? So we were alerted to the fact that this came up on Les's show as he began to explain what a Kraken is. Oh, another texter from area code 847. Les, what is a Kraken? Not sure about that, but that is the nickname of the new hockey team. It begins play tonight. The Seattle Kraken, they're going to play at Old Key Arena where the uh, Sonics used to play. So how much uh, of a situation that's all going to be? It's a new team in the National Hockey League. Kraken is a United States-based Syro currency exchange and bank founded in 2011. The exchange provides trading between Cairo currency and fiat currencies that provides price to uh, give you information 
to the Bloomberg terminal. That's what they're saying. They're located, by the way, uh, not in Seattle. That bank is located in San Francisco. So, so much for that. Got some more people giving us some information about what a Kraken is. Hi, Les from area code 847. The Kraken is a mythical sea creature in Greek mythology. <laughs> Someone else says Kraken is a type of rum. And from 219, a Kraken is a giant squid sea monster. And another one saying pretty much the same thing from area code 708. Kraken is a myth sea creature from the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know about that. Pirates of the Caribbean was with real people. The ride of Pirates of the Caribbean was, uh, of course, originally in Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Then we built the Magic Kingdom in Disney World over in the Orlando area, Lake Buena Vista, if you will. Then uh, they put a Pirates of the Caribbean there as well. I've been to one Disney uh, location overseas, overseas, and that was uh, actually uh, just outside of Tokyo. We were there for the Cubs, a couple of games that they played in Tokyo against uh, the Mets in the year 2000. <laughs> 630 Kraken is a great roller coaster in Florida. I don't think it is. <laughs> oh, it would be kind of neat. Someone else is saying, uh, no, we're not talking Kraken. We're talking about uh, uh, SeaWorld. Well, I've been to SeaWorld as well. There's lots of different things and people think they know the answer, but I appreciate everybody coming up with different answers that way. <laughs> oh, my. That's, a, that's what oh. you call Les Grobstein oh going down a Kraken wormhole and somehow oh got my. to the Mets playing the Cubs in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> and Pirates of the Caribbean was maybe the real people, so it couldn't have a mythical figure in it. Can I tell you, too, like, Kraken is a great grobber word. Ah, you're all a bunch of Kraken. You're all on Kraken. Yeah. You're like a Packers fan on Kraken. Total grobber well, word. So, he, I don't know what he was reading, but he probably meant cryptocurrency. Right. Maybe? What's a cyrocurrency? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Is that, am I missing something there? Yeah, was there accuracy to that? Because I don't know why they're called the Kraken. I mean, the, well, first of all, a Kraken is one of the, a texture had it right. It's a mythical, it's a giant squid. It's not Greek mythology. It's Scandinavian. Okay. It's, um, the Kraken is alleged to have dwelled off the coasts of Norway and Greenland. Norway, I once saw referred to as the New Jersey of the Scandinavian countries. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, anyways, it's a giant squid. And that's what it is. That's the, it has the tentacles. It's a cephalopod, and stories grow, and and not unlike the Loch Ness monster, and that it it, it is in that realm. That's what a kraken is, and it's a great name and a great design. If you look at their logo, and you saw their on ice the the presentation. The way they, they release the Kraken mm. in the video that goes on the ice before a game, and it was spectacular. And the Kraken and the, the tentacles come out, and they it's just wonderful. It's They've done an excellent job, and it's a great name. The color scheme is really good. It's not a cryptocurrency. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you, I had no idea until now. But, yeah, the 224 texture at the top is correct. Love 
Love that Les does not believe any of them. <laughs> he's right, right to me. Like, yeah, he's got to cover all himself. It up, I, all. I'm not sure about all that. I, I, you know, let's go to the Mets and Cubs in Tokyo, you crackheads. And if it wasn't in Disney, then it can't be real. Right. That's kind of where you connected the dots. And Les is, by the way, Grober is a Disney connoisseur. He has been to Disney like, he probably has a trip planned right now to go to Disney World or Disneyland where the original, I don't care what anybody said, the original Pirates of the Caribbean was at Disneyland, not World, mm-hmm. Epcot. So, yes. he's at, he, yeah. like, seriously, he's a huge fan of Disney World and Hawaii. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Good Disneyland stuff. Was, that's, that was the, having grown up at Disneyland and then visited Disney World several years ago, I was quite disappointed that of all of the roller coasters that they had, that the Matterhorn was not there. It is only at Disneyland. Oh, I did not. In, I have never been to Disneyland, Anaheim. so I'm not aware that of that. That was my first major roller coaster was the the um, Matterhorn. And that was, it remains that kind of thrill, but it's not at, it wasn't at Disney World last time I visited. I, so, my Disney World. And a good World. for less for making a, we went to Disney World and then waiting for the parade, the character parade, and the evil stepmother winked at me as she made a turn and saw me <laughs> sitting on the curb and winked at me. <laughs> of course, the evil stepmother was into you. Yeah. Wicked stepmother. Is that what she's called? Wicked or Wicked, evil? Wicked evil. stepmother. I don't know. She was pretty, she was, yeah. She get grab around. Oh. We'll get grab around later. We'll straighten all this out. Yeah. So, anyways, that was the Kraken is... <laughs> is, in fact, as one of the textures had it, or several of them, basically a giant squid, if that's how you want to think of it. But it's a giant cephalopod, and it, it, the, the legend of it has grown, and it's a sea monster populating Norway and Greenland off those coasts. And, by the way, as, as long as we're here and we're talking hockey, which may be the only time we mention hockey in this show... Let me call BS on the inexplicably employed Jeremy Boylan coaching the Blackhawks. We've just got a way to find it. We've just got to find a way to be more consistent, shift to shift, so we can build momentum. Any of the three periods when we were at our best, we were able to follow up one shift after the next. It was better at times, but it's got to be better for longer. Let me just say, this is a repeating quote. A real coach would have accomplished that early instead of repeating this for three years and being the laughing stock of the NHL with a system that calls for both defensemen to leave the front of the net and go to the zoo. A real coach would have his team ready to start a game. Blackhawks have played two games this year. Instead, the inexplicably employed Jeremy Boyland, he saw his team give up a goal in the opener in the first 26 seconds and Friday night in the first 17 seconds. So tonight in Pittsburgh, the Hawks could allow a Penguin to challenge the record for fastest goal to start a game, which is five seconds. Jeremy Boylan is ill-equipped to coach in the NHL, but he is perfect for being behind the bench for such an ignominious accomplishment and look for Pittsburgh to score in five seconds after the opening faceoff. Blackhawk fans, you're getting hosed as long as this man, man remains inexplicably employed by this team behind the bench. So I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, after very exciting last night when the Hawks tied it. 
force overtime, and then just like that, mm-hmm. old Jack Hughes pantsing the what on a two on one and Young wide Jack open Hughes. found himself uh, the wide open net, yeah. and that was yeah. fun's over, kids, go home. Go home, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay That's here. That's right. It's See doggone. That was this just. I know it, Jersey's not a good team, and they gave the. It's just his teams aren't ready to start a game. He's got a dumbass system. It's just all kinds of stupid, and Blackhawk fans are being asked to pay for this. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree with you, I, but it, here I'll give you one thing though that, that I really liked in watching the Blackhawks last night. Isn't it good to see Jonathan Taves back out there? Yes. Just just to yes. see him and skating and being well. After all of the innuendo on why he was out last year, and I realize it's a serious condition and all that, but I was just happy to see number 19 out there. In the meantime, they suck. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we will come back with the, the Kraken of sports columnists. And his name is Paul Sullivan. The White Sox ended their season. The disingenuous fraud that is Tony Larusa had, you know, he's taking, he's polling his players, which can be painful, not to mention stupid and disingenuous. And so we'll get his take on the White Sox and the letter from Tom to season ticket holders by Tom Ricketts. We'll see what. He thinks about that as he talks to his fan base. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I guess it all depends on what the front office think. Um, but, you know, for on my half, as far as, you know, speaking for player, player standpoint, yeah, for sure. I definitely want him in. Uh, I think he did a great job with, you know, the way he managed and, uh, you know, just being open and, uh and let us do what we what we wanted to do, um, you know. But, you know, when we took the field, we was going to go out and play hard for him and, uh, you know, give him everything we got. So um, I was very pleased with him. It's Tim Anderson, White Sox shortstop. And when asked this whole – Tony La Russa opened up this disingenuous – idea that he was going to ask the players if they wanted him to come back and Tim Anderson rightfully says it's not my choice but Tony La Russa disingenuously sanctimoniously wanted to sound like it did oh my god and he thought they were bad during the playoffs they started looking really bad afterwards welcome in welcome back Saturday Suckage Steve Rosenblum Mark Rohde with you we go to the scores hotline it's presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book. We welcome back to the program Paul Sullivan in the wake of the news columnist for the Chicago Tribune. So, Sully, let's start with the disingenuous crap about Tony La Russa asking the players <laughs> if they want him back. What did you think when you heard about that disingenuousness from Mr. La Russa? <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hi, Paul. Hi. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird. Uh, you know, it's not what we expected to hear. Um, you know, usually these post-elimination press conferences are like, you know, we tried hard. And, you know, we had a great season. You can't define it by this loss, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then I think it was Steve Greenberg asked, uh, you know, are, are you coming back? And he, he just started with the whole, well, you know, if they want me back and, up to the front office and then it's up to the players and 
Uh, yeah, I've never heard that before. So I, I don't know what he was getting at unless he just wanted the players to give him a ringing endorsement. But he had to know that, you know, that we weren't really going to talk to the players because we couldn't get in the clubhouse. Um, so uh, except for Anderson and Abreu talking on the Zooms uh, this week, uh, you know, we really have no idea what's going on there. So I'm, I wrote a column being facetious about if there actually was a vote. And of course, you know, he, he knew that he would win a vote, but uh, I, I would like to hear, uh, you know, the players debating about whether he should be back because I don't, I don't think it would be unanimous. Uh, I think he'd win, but uh, you know, not everyone loves him. No, of course not. I mean, not every single person is going to love the boss. And I, I, yeah, when he said that, the number one thing was he knew he was coming back. Why haven't yeah. the White Sox at least, Paul, given the giving the appearance that they are evaluating his job, just like they're going to do with every single player on the team? Well, because uh, I think you know the reason, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is not anyone's call but his. Uh huh. Jerry's not going to get rid of. Ryan, or he's not going to get rid of Belarus after, um, you know, 30 years of waiting for him to come back or whatever it was. It's just not going to happen. So, and it's a done deal. He's coming back. And uh, the, the ending was just a little strange. I don't know why that was necessary, but um, for sure he'll be back. Are they going to have a Zoom when Tony LaRusso says, Uncle Jerry, can I go back to manager camp again next year, next summer? <laughs> Because that's what's going to happen. But I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I guess I'm waiting for them to actually say it for sure. But uh, they are going to leak it, of course, the reporters that they like, uh, which mm-hmm. not entail me, but <laughs> someone will <laughs> someone will write it. So the the White Sox couldn't be good teams. The White Sox couldn't play good defense. They don't shift like adult teams. The bullpen was mismanaged. Boy, the Kimbrell and Kopech thing. Game two on the road was a lost cause because the manager mismanaged the bullpen. So couldn't Ricky Renderia have done that? And didn't he, in fact, do that and get fired ultimately because of that at such a critical time? Uh, yeah, it was. It did bear a lot of similarities to that game three from last year's playoffs. Um, I'm talking about game two, at least. Um, I don't know if Giolito should have came out to start that fifth inning. Uh, and definitely after he walked the first guy, you, you might want to bring in Kopech. But uh, I, you know, I can understand uh, you know bringing Crochet in for a lefty, but you know that's not the way it works anymore because of your. You know, you have to face at least three batters. So it, it's just that was the game that they should have won that, that might have changed the complexion of the series. It might not have. I mean, the way that Houston was hitting it, they, they probably had no chance anyways. But um, it would have been interesting to come back with the split at least. Paulie, I heard Steve Stone on with Lawrence Holmes saying essentially that the, the White Sox made progress as an organization this year. Do you think that this year was progress relative to last year? Uh, in some respects, yeah. I mean, uh, they did win the division, so that was a, a step up. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of the players, uh, Anderson 
you know, became a nationally recognized. We all knew in Chicago how good he was, but I think the rest of the country got to see that. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, I mean, it was pretty much the same. And they lost in the first playoff round. And, uh, you know, I, I think the future is better. But still, until you win a playoff series, you know, I, let's face it, it's going into next year. The season's not going to matter. Everyone's going to assume they win the division. It's going to be the same as this year. Maybe the Tigers will be a little better next year because their rebuild is starting to click. But they're going to win that division, and then we'll just go into the postseason thinking the same thing. You know, are they going to go to the World Series or not? Right. So I, the thing to me that was kind of weird was they they talked World Series a lot in spring training, and you know, best team in the American League, and. And when, when they didn't get there, when they lost in the first round, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we we took uh, we took a step ahead. Well, maybe, but, you know, if your goal is to get in the World Series or to win the World Series, then really it was a very disappointing season. So then, how, how many places do they need to get better to accomplish <laughs> all the – meet all the big talk that – Tim Anderson, I give him full marks for that. Look, we're the he said it on the score. We're the, the best bleeping team in the American League. And all of that, how all that it, talk about the World Series and whatever. So this season in my world, this season's a failure because of the way they talked about it at first, not what they got back to. Yeah. So in what areas do you think they need to improve to compete with the cheating Houston Astros. I still think they're cheating, by the way, and then whatever it is Boston does. And they are. I'm sure the Astros doing? are smarter now, and they found a new way to – I'm sure they're cheating travels. They can do it on the road too. And Dusty's always been around right. guys who cheated from, from Barry Bonds to Sammy Sosa. He's been – he's used to enabling cheaters. So it all fits my portfolio. But as far as the, <laughs> okay. as far as the White Sox are concerned <laughs> – how are they going to get better legally? Legally? Um, you mean as opposed to like murdering some of the other players from the other team? <laughs> well, not having legally. buzzers or beating on trash cans oh, or flashing oh, signals yeah. from the scoreboard. Don't you think the Astros would have been caught if they were doing that kind of stuff by now this year? No, they're, they no, doing they're smarter. The Astros weren't really? caught the first time, really. He had to grant, I mean, Manfred's an idiot. He had to grant immunity to the people who were actually cheating in order to know how they were cheating. I mean, it was like All he right, was going well. to Penn and Teller. Like, Penn and Teller, how do, how do they do this? How does this trick work? <laughs> so he's an yeah, idiot, well, and the Astros older. are yeah, smarter. Okay. The, the well, criminals I... are always ahead of the cops. Okay. Uh, well, what's your, <laughs> what's your, how does the socks get better? Uh, well, you know, I mean, the obvious right field and second base are two areas definitely that would need some improvement. Um, I think the bullpen needs uh, an upgrade. I know it was supposed to be a strong point this year, but it wasn't. You got to, you know, it sounds like they're going to pick up Kimbrell's option and trade him. I don't know how many teams are going to want to pay $15 million for a closer that uh, didn't really do a good job in the second half, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Hernandez, I don't, I don't think they can go back to him at second base. Uh, I, I thought Yasmani, uh, you know, had a good 
second half when he came back from his injury, but, you know, his catching skills uh, seem to have eroded. So, uh, yeah, they got some problems there. Uh, Rodon, I don't think he'll be back. They're talking about Kopech, you know, sliding into the rotation, but Kopech didn't have a good playoff either <laughs> as much as, you know, mm. we thought he should have pitched in that game too. But when he did pitch, uh, he gave up some runs. So, uh yeah, no, there's plenty of areas that they can clean up. And I think uh, one of the main things is they just have to want it more because that's one thing that Anderson did say. I don't know if you have that clip, but he said the uh, Astros were uh, more hungry than the White Sox. Mm. And I don't know why that would be. But, uh, you know, if you're not hungry enough, then that is uh, that is an issue. Yeah, that's, that's pretty damning, especially coming from a player. Uh, Paul, switching the samples just a little bit, who is Carter Hawkins, and why he why is he the Cubs' new general manager? Uh, well, um, you got me. I, I don't know the guy. Uh-huh. Just, just you know, I I'd heard his name in Cleveland that you know he was an up and coming executive, as a lot of these guys are that start out uh, in as interns and work their way up, <clears throat> kind of like Theo and Jed. Um, but uh, really, I, I honestly don't know a whole lot about him. He, you, you know that uh, he probably was responsible for some of the uh, young Cleveland pitchers that uh, were drafted and developed, uh, did a good job there. And that's, you know, problem area for Jed Hoyer, as you know. So that hopefully he uh, focuses on that aspect. Uh, but, you know, it's weird that you know, it comes to name a general manager and it's kind of like, you know, everyone shrugs because back in the day it was a big deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, Jed is basically the general manager and president. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, who's his assistant? So Yeah, he's he'll be damned if he's going to give this guy more mic time considering what Jed Hoyer went through with Theo Epstein <laughs> all those years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we don't, we don't, Jed and Theo never really told us who was the we knew Theo was making the ultimate decisions, but yeah. I'm sure some of the deals uh, Jed was more responsible for than Theo, some of the signings, and we just don't know which. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, this guy is as intelligent about uh, drafting and developing young pitching, then uh, that's an area that uh, the Cubs will improve on. But we won't find that out until, uh, the, you know, the June draft. One last question, Sully. Tom Ricketts sent out letters and emails, and he was very conversant with Cub fans and season ticket holders, and we're positioned and eager to spend money and do it intelligently. That kind of seems like code, too. We're not going to spend at the top of the market. Did you interpret it that way, or do you just wait to see what happens? Oh, yeah. I think it, Jed basically said the same thing. You know, we're going to spend intelligently, and that is definitely code word for we're not going to splurge. And uh, honestly, I don't I don't see anyone out there that really deserves to be splurged on like the like you would on the Manny Machado or some of the more recent free agents. Uh, so maybe that is the way to go. I, I would have to, you know, take a deep dive into the free agency. But I think uh, you know you can improve the team with some three four year contracts. Uh, you know, the Sox acquired Lance Lynn and he was on a end of his deal and he just signed what a three-year deal with the Sox and I think you know that was a good deal for them and good deal for him so um, you know the thing that bothered me about the letter was that this idea that all these uh, guys that they got 
in the sell-off are like going to be really good and we've really improved our farm system you know who knows <laughs> they, they, some most of those guys weren't even playing or they were so far down in the system that uh, you know we won't know for years whether they'll be any good so just because you got a lot of inventory for selling off these guys doesn't mean that they're all going to be good and uh to me that letter was kind of a bogus and in, in that he he was like overhyping the uh, prospects that are that came back in the deal because we won't know. For that's genius of Jed's moves was he got all these guys that we won't know for years if they'll be any good. So <laughs> he kind of bought himself a lot of time. It'll be President Carter Hawkins's problem by the time that comes to light. <laughs> it's a great name, by the way, Carter um, Hawkins. Yeah, it Strong. sounds like a hedge fund. He sounds like a hedge fund. <laughs> oh, Carter please. Hawkins hedge fund. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Wow, that hurts. Something that, that hurts, <laughs> Warren Buffett would buy into. <laughs> Too soon, All right. Steve. Stop. Sully, thanks. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. See you. All right. That is our friend Paul Sullivan, uh, columnist for the Chicago Tribune in the wake of the news. And that was that. That was baseball. And we will turn our attention to, you know what, Mark? The Bulls are going to play. They They're are? play games for for real, they already won the preseason, so the I think they're they're next to win the Super Bowl. By the way, our tech, several textures, the two two nine and two one nine. When I was talking about Jeremy Boylan, uh-huh. yeah, I saw these texts. Two one nine texture. That person confused Jim Boylan, that misspelled, person. with and Jeremy Colleton, <clears throat> and then another texture. Jeremy Coltan, not Boyland. 229. Boyland with a D was the Bulls coach. Got that, Steve? 229. is the Blackhawks coach. <laughs> the, the best one is I guess you're, that, that you're, person. That, that person. person. That person. <laughs> Confused Jim Boyland. You're new around here. Yeah. Okay. That was I awesome. Just, He's very new around that. that, that, that really you're, you're listening to the score for the first time, and this is the show right here. Yeah, that person. Right. That's that's what you got. You get less talking about what a kraken is. Um, that person. That person has a name. That person is Steve Rosenblum. Okay. No, it's not. It's that person. Yeah. Capital T, capital P. All right, we'll take a break. We will talk to that person named Rick Camp. We'll talk to him about the Bulls <laughs> who are heard on this very radio station, Chicago Sports Radio. DeMar DeRozan, offensive rebound green, far corner ball, jump pass in front, Williams open three. Yes, Patrick Williams with a three. That's his second of the ball game. Timeout, Memphis. Chuck Swirsky calling last night a part of last night's Bulls-Grizz game. The Bulls swept through the preseason. They won the preseason Stanley Cup going 4-0. Welcome in, welcome back to Saturday Suckage. We go to the Scores Hotline. It is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we welcome back to the show and congratulate the executive producer-elect of Layla Rahimi's show, Tolerating Dan Bernstein, he is Rick Camp. Hi, Rick. 
also the name change that I proposed went through. <laughs> yeah, well, lead with your best. That's the way it's supposed to go. Or lead with what you think you can actually influence and what you're, you know, what you're, and know what you're willing to tolerate. A man's got to know his limitations, Rick. If there's anybody that knows that, it's me. And, you know, I live by that philosophy because, you know, I <laughs> choose not to work out or eat things that are green unless it's a lime Skittle, which is apparently making its way back. So we can all celebrate that. There we go. You are. You are transcendent. So Rick is the, among many things, is the EP of the uh, Bernstein Rahimi show. He is also the, the, one of the co-hosts, one of the co-eaters on the I'm Fat podcast, a spectacular. Go wherever you get your podcast, go there now and learn the man and Jay Zawoski. They know food. That, and be, again, being a fat is a mindset, not a measurement. So it's for everybody. And he's also the host of the Bulls post-game show. And they figure to be a lot more interesting and a lot happier this year, I think. What are you expecting this year, Rick? Yeah, definitely more positive uh, post-game shows because it's been a little rough. Not, not going to lie on that <laughs> front. But, uh, yeah, the, I'm not – I think I, compared to most and especially considering – last night, Bulls Twitter was drunk. I mean, there. I mean, it's been that way most of the postseason, which is like, which is cool because, like you mentioned, there hasn't been, you know, a whole lot to get excited about. But I may be a slightly lower than consensus just in terms of what I think their ceiling is this year. I think they're primed for that seven-eight spot, top end of the uh, play-in. And if any of those three to six teams that are slotted to be three to six whether it's Atlanta, Miami, Boston, or Philly, if any of them take a slide, the Bulls and probably like the Knicks will be primed to uh, take that spot that, you know, maybe opens up that doesn't involve the play-in. But I think they're going to be a really good offensive team. Like they almost for them to get to where the higher expectations are for them to be of not even having to deal with the play-in or maybe even get as high as some are saying the three or the four seed. I don't think that's realistic. I think for the Bulls, like, Five to nine, five to ten is probably their realistic range, but and but I think most likely they're in that seven eight spot. They need to be a back half of the top ten offense and a slightly above, like basically be outside of the lower third defense. So if you could say like eighth or better offensively and be nineteenth or better defensively the Bulls can get to some of their better expectations and definitely be in the mix to finish up being a playoff team after the play and wherever they fall in that one through eight. Especially, Rick, with the addition of DeMar DeRozan, who is the Bulls' best player this year? Oh, it's Zach Levine. Still, okay. Oh, yeah, no, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan is a guy that's been considered a floor raiser in his career for a reason because – while Zach Levine's made some improvements defensively to where he's not he's not atrocious or anything like that anymore, DeMar DeRozan is a legitimately bad defender. Okay. And, like, has been for the duration of his career. And considering <laughs> the way the, the Bulls are structured, he's going to have some assignments that are probably going to expose that throughout the season. Like, if, if there are teams that their roster construction allows them to just run pick and rolls involving... DeRozan's guy and Vucevic's guy more often than not and they don't do that then that's on them because DeRozan's not a good defender Vuce is okay he's below average 
I think some people are trying to hype up his defense a little bit too much, but his defense is, is he's there. Now, I don't know how much he can do when he is in the right spot. Guys can generally get around him and get a basket because he's not as athletic as you'd hope for a big man. But the Bulls defense, I think, some of the stuff from last year saying, while well, they were eighth after the trade deadline or whatever. Yeah, that's because I was led by Thaddeus Young and Daniel Tice, two guys that are not on this team anymore. So when, in lineups where Patrick Williams is not on the court and most of your starters are, where you have DeRozan at the four, where he's just undersized for that position in general, and then Vucevic at the five, you're going to have some defensive issues. But a lot of times in those lineups, Caruso will be there along with Lonzo Ball in the backcourt. So there'd be a better point of attack defense, but your back line is not going to be as good. So I still have a ton of questions defensively because, yes, 4-0 in the preseason. Yes, they look good defensively. However, that was against Cleveland twice, who was going to be a bottom three team in the East. That was against New Orleans without Zion Williamson, who is, they're not going to be good offensively, defensively, whatever, without Zion. Not that Zion's very good defensively. And Memphis. And Memphis is a solid is a solid enough team that's probably going to end up being right around the play-in in the Western Conference. So you played one decent opponent out of four. So I like the way the Bulls have looked. They've done what they should do against these teams. But uh, I'm still holding back some because after these first four games, the Bulls face a gauntlet in the regular season. We're talking with Rick Camp. He is the host of the Bulls post-game show here on The Score. And the Lonzo Ball effect, have we seen what what have we seen and how much more do you expect to see his imprint on this team, the way he changes this team, how he makes them better to get to the point where they could challenge for a, a higher end playoff spot and not just struggle to get in? He's he's a guy that might not be the most it might not be the most obvious in the way that he makes the Bulls better because you know, like everybody's mentioned throughout the offseason since the signing, he's not going to beat guys off the dribble and get to the basket. That's just not his game. That's what Zach Levine is there is there for. He's a guy that offensively is going to promote ball movement. He may be your guy that's on the weak side wing. So when there's a pick and roll that gets stymied, Zach Levine or whoever is running or DeMar DeRozan can throw the ball ball out to ball that's going to be on the wing and he can make the proper decision whether it's to swing it to the corner swing it to the top or maybe attack close out to try and get himself a jumper or to set somebody else up off the bounce that's what he does offensively really really well and then obviously when they get into transition he's one of the best ball handlers in transition in terms of having that vision to find the right guy and defensively what he does and this is where I have some questions uh, defensively too is He's decent to solid when it comes to being on the ball, but he's really good defensively when he's off the ball, when he's on the weak side and maybe he, you have someone cheating towards the middle to help Vucevic towards the rim. And he has to guard both the guy on the weak side wing and in the weak side corner. He's a guy that can do that effectively and essentially make it one more pass of the ball that has to happen. That gives the rest of the defense more time to recover so it's a little more subtle, but I think he really does have a chance to have a, lot, a big impact on the team. Rick, watching Alex Caruso last night, he had a nice defensive play on a, a breakup of a lob to John Morant. He then had a ferocious two-hand jam towards the, the end of that game right down the lane. Would I be wrong to say, Rick, 
that Alex Caruso, in short order, will become a fan favorite at the United Center. Oh, I'm sure he already is. I mean, if he's not already, I'd be shocked, but he definitely will be. Like, he's a guy that does so many things that are just smart. Some of them are subtle that don't show up in a box score necessarily. Like, there was the clip that's made the rounds on social media from, like, a Bulls practice that was streamed of, like, how he helps them in communication defensively, how good he is there. He knows his limitations offensively, but he is there to be an elite defensive player, especially when it comes to being on the ball. Which they badly, badly need. Absolutely, because how many times was it that scoring point guards just torched the Bulls last year? Mm-hmm. I mean, really just primary ball handlers torched the Bulls, and he's a guy that's that should slow that down. The question I have about it is you can't have six guys on the court at the same time, even though someone tried to do that against Boylan, you know, or Boylan and the Bulls, <laughs> as you guys said last segment. But uh, that person. So that's the thing is, is when it comes down to endgame scenarios, and maybe this will be a spy matchup thing, is it Caruso that's playing or is it Patrick Williams that's playing? Because that's the, that's the thing you have to figure out, because are you sacrificing your defense at the point of attack or are you sacrificing defense uh, on the back line? That's what you have to figure out. And also, does a team have a wing that really needs that elite defender or just someone that can be a decent defender because it's either going to be Zach Levine playing the three if it's Caruso out there on your point of attack guy or it's going to be Patrick Williams at the three with Lonzo Ball on the ball on the point of attack guy. So there's questions that Billy Donovan's going to have to answer and just how they work these rotations is going to be fascinating throughout the year because I don't know how much offense they have coming off the bench while they have a lot better defenders coming off the bench. Rick Camp is our guest. He hosts the Bulls postgame show here on The Score. A quote from Zach Levine last night. On, he was asked about playing with all of these many shot creators, far more than they've had before. Quote, it's a blessing to have all these different weapons and go-to guys, all these number one options on the team. You get them the ball and get out of their way. I'm here when you need me. You know, I just don't imagine the clear number one player on a team saying that or believing that, even if he does say that. Um, not after the year that that Zach Levine had. It was pretty It was pretty significant for, for the way he shot up a lot of um, a lot of lists and the things he accomplished. I don't know what to make of this. Maybe it's too much because it's a postseason a preseason. Don't believe anything like that. Do you expect did, do you put any stock in that that suddenly he's just gonna back off? I don't think he's necessarily gonna back off, but it's just he I think it's more just emphasizing that he doesn't have to do everything now because leading up to this point since he's been a bull, he's had to do everything to set up shots for himself to set up shots for everybody else now he has other guys that can do that like i'm looking at last night's box score and while it's not a perfect representation of what the regular season will be he still had the most shots on the team and he got the free throw line 10 times like what i've noticed is his scoring this preseason you just kind of look at the box score and you're like oh he has this many points it's just comes easier for him because he's able to do a little more off ball now he doesn't have to bring the ball up set up the pick and roll. Now he can maybe be on a secondary action off a DeRozan Vucevic pick and roll, something like that, or when Vuce is in the post, because Zach Levine moves really well off the ball as well. It's kind of ironic because he's so good at that offensively, but 
what he sees, he, he can't really apply defensively in that same way to where he still gets beat by a lot of off-ball movement. But offensively, he's really good at it. So when someone else is able to handle the ball and have the vision to be able to find him, he can work that way and save a lot of energy. And some people are saying, well, that'll lead towards better defense for him. And hopefully that's the case after the whole Olympic experience, but still to be determined. There's so much that I still don't know and that I'm not banking on because of what I saw in the preseason. Because as I mentioned before, you play the Cavs twice who just suck out loud. Like you really should try to get Lowry Markinen on this show or something just because now he's on the Cavs and they're worse than the Bulls. And then you have the Grizzlies who are fine, but more of a defensive team and the Pelicans without their best player. So it wasn't the best sample size in terms of number of games or type of teams to try and determine how much better the Bulls are. But if nothing else, it's definitely encouraging and it better be considering everything they gave up to make this team what it is. Rick, I appreciate your time. Um, thanks for joining us. We hope to talk to you during the season and in between bites of Curter Burgers. Hey, it was a one-day thing, but I have heard from our Culver's Insider on the podcast, they're thinking about, if they get enough positive reviews, bringing it back next year and maybe even for longer than just one day. Okay, there you go. There's your food insider. <laughs> Huge <laughs> if true. Yes, right. Rick, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks. Later, buddy. That's Rick Camp. He's the host of the Bulls post-game show, executive producer of the Bernstein Rahimi Show, and uh, co-fat on the I'm Fat podcast. And um, it's certainly worth your time to go listen to that I'm Fat podcast. It's a wonder. Again, fat is a mindset, not a measurement. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for what? Mark heard. Mark heard a bunch of stuff this week. I'm willing to bet. Right, Mark? I Mark, did. It's very, very Bearsy. It should be. Yep. It's Bears Packers. As Darnell Mooney says, not Packers Bears. It's Bears, Bears Packers. Packers. Yes, sir. Bears. Bears. Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Bears. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.